You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. How's it going, Grump? What's our magic number for making a uh, wild card uh, berth in the playoffs after our big win last week? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, you know, that number is going to depend a lot, I think, on whether or not Ezekiel Elliott ever plays. And... You know, he was just granted a uh, TRO, I believe, right? A temporary restraining order? Yes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like an eventuality at this point that he's going to be suspended for six games. And from my point of view, the further he puts this off, the worse it puts the team. If they don't have him down the stretch, that seems like a worse thing, especially given how they've tumbled a little bit. Well, I guess the question is, do we... Is the bigger issue, and again, we're talking, we're kind of joking here about the magic number and anything, but yeah, is the is the bigger question: Are the Eagles for real more so than what Ezekiel Elliott's status is? Because if the Eagles are for real, they could run away with this division. Well, they and, may run uh, away with the division, but they may not run away with it with a good record. Um, if that makes any sense, they might they might be one of those nine and seven division winners. Yeah, that's possible, but they also could they could potentially be eleven and five too. They could. Yeah. I mean again if this if this division is soft, you know, the Giants, you know, let's not make any false uh you know, false excitement about last week. It was a great win, but this team, you know, as de- injury depleted as they are, could still end up being a, you know, four and twelve, five and eleven team based on the situation. So I'd say it's highly you know, likely. Um highly likely, you know, yeah. and then Washington's no great shakes and who knows what Dallas's story is. I would you, say you could you could see you could see a mutiny on their head coach at some point later on in the year in Washington, Dallas. Oof. At what point? At what point? You know, does a coach like Garrett kind of does the locker room turn on him? I think I think the guy's not a good coach at all, and you know, if this team's kind of meddling around. Who knows? Well, if we're if we're talking about wild card berth, I mean, you really have to look at it like this. Uh, the NFC South could very well have both wild cards. With Atlanta, <laughs> Carolina, and Tampa Bay, I don't think the Giants could beat out any of them. In fact, I don't know that if, if Dallas tumbles down the stretch still, I, I don't think that Dallas could beat any of those. I think um, first – Well, let, let, I mean the let, NFC let, North was is now at this point with Aaron Rodgers out for the year, it's going to be the Lions. Yeah. The only other thing I could see is if – the Rams can make a push for a wild card spot. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's go back into this alternate reality where we actually were realistic about a wild card spot. The fact that we did lose to Tampa Bay, we did lose to Detroit really hurts in wild and tiebreaker situations too. I think the fact that we lost five games really hurts. Well, I don't know. I'm talking nah, about, I know what you're were, saying. you know, let, let's say we were three and three right now, as opposed to one and five. And we were being serious about, you know, playoff, you know, possibilities that those two losses really would hurt in all sorts of tiebreaker situations. They so. would. It's just hard for me to take this conversation seriously. It's so absurd yeah. to even think of this team. <laughs> well, that's what you get when you have two 
Dope's talking about a one in five team right now. So. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, and so, where do they where do they find this lovely podcast? <laughs> we have <laughs> Um, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud so that you can get these automatically uh, downloaded in iTunes and uh, you get the latest updates in SoundCloud. Absolutely. <clears throat> be sure and give us a five star review and a nice rating so people will actually. The more ratings we get and the more reviews, the more people actually listen to this little show and we can, uh, you know, maybe get a sponsor to pay for this uh, life that we live right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. My life brought to you by Jameson would be just so eloquent. You hear, the, you hear that, Jameson? We'll be in your room Sunday before the Giant game and in, uh, in between sections 105 and 103 or wherever that is. So there's a free plug for you. <laughs> now give us a fifth. Yeah. <laughs> Need more than that. Um, all right. So this Sunday at 425 at MetLife Stadium, um, the Seahawks are coming to town. Um, it's going to be another rough one. I, I mean, th- this was one that, you know, we had said at the beginning of the year. And th- I, I think that going forward, this is sort of going to have to be a narrative. Like when we, when we talk about what the game is going to look like, I'm just going to have to keep harking back to when – to what when this was a full roster team you know this was going to be one where we said you know they might lose but it's the game they have to win if they want to be serious i mean now every game is going to be a struggle and some things sort of fell in the giants favor but it's going to be another struggle it's going to be kind of an ugly game i think you know seattle actually i am in my nfl wins pool i picked them first with like the eighth pick in our draft and they've been you know kind of underwhelming so far i this is you know, another one in line of these games is going to be a low-scoring, ugly mess, I think. I think our defense is finally coming around to what we thought it was going to be. Um, you know, But again, I think that uh, it's easy to game plan against this giant offense right now if you're only throwing you know, two passes to your wide receivers. And you know, a lot has been made of you know, Mike Sullivan now making the play calling. Uh, one of the questions I had for you, Grump, is as an observer who didn't really know that the, the change had been made being at the stadium, did you notice any real subtle differences in the play calling? To be honest with you, not really. Um, there seemed to be, as the game went on, uh, different adjustments. Uh, Eli seemed to be staying in the pocket a little bit longer. I think that was when they realized that they were getting enough protection, though. I don't think that that was a game plan thing like hey Eli can really sit in the pocket against his defense I, I don't think that was a game plan thing I think that was an adjustment thing which may or may not have something to do with Mike Sullivan um, again the heavy leaning and commitment to the run throughout the game cannot be fully attributed to Mike Sullivan it, it's very possible but given the depletion of weapons on this team it, it's almost an obvious it, there's no other choice no, I mean, to be honest, it looks like the same playbook. Uh, you know, I, I said on the last podcast that uh, down the stretch, there were a lot of those three and outs where we just, you know, draw play on third and long, etc. No, I, I think, you know, a lot of people were complaining about the play calling. Not necessarily that the play calling was so bad, that, but that McAdoo had so much on his plate. And, you know, relieving that would help him be more of a better all-around, you know, game coach you know decision making with timeouts and, and different things so and you're right i didn't really notice that much of a difference the first drive looked a little scripted and looked better it looked well I don't scripted think ever really, i think but i don't think you're ever really going to notice you know a change in play calling when you're kind of down to 
you know, guys off the street as wide receivers yeah. and, and, and things like that, too. And, and an offensive line that was completely reshuffled again. Um, the one interesting thing, though, when they asked him about that, he said they needed me this week to be involved in all facets of the game, which definitely the door open for he'll go back and take over play calling again at some point. It may not be this week. It may not be next week, but he definitely, you know, left that option open that he will be playing, calling plays again. So, um, you know, this is one of the bones that might be thrown to the fans a little bit, you know, not, you know, directly, but okay. If you're going to fire McAdoo, there's a lot of steps that have to happen before that. You know, he loses play calling, you know, they change offensive coordinator. They do this, they do that before they finally get rid of him. So the the optics of him not calling plays is, you know, probably a lot better than the actual, you know, performance of it. You know, that that sort of makes me nervous. I'd rather it be he just doesn't do it at all or or he, he does it just because I think the um, the constant switching back and forth is almost like a running back by committee approach. Um yeah, it, it, it shows you don't have an overall plan. Everything is kind of like, how do I, you know, how do I handle this week's crisis and then next week's crisis? We're not really kind of, this is the way the organization is going to be built. You know, I'm going to be the head coach. You're, gonna, I'm delegating play calling to my coordinator. You know, I can spend more time doing this and that. So it, it just seems a little rudderless right now. Unless the the plan is that upper management and the coach have decided that this season is lost and they're sort of evaluating how to handle next season. You know, I mean, that's that's a concept I hadn't thought of till just now. That's possible. You know, you, these are things you'll never, ever hear in the media or in the public or get out there. But you know, you know, the coaching staff, general manager, you know, all the uppity-ups of a team, they're thinking of every possible scenario for a team. You know, they – you can say one thing in the media about, you know, never give up and we're going to fight, fight, fight. But they have to be realistic and think of all possibilities. And this might be a conclusion they made. You know, it, a team that's 0-5 is not going to the playoffs. You know, they are, they're making the calculation now. Is this a team they need to blow up or just, you know, trot back out next year or make some tweaks or some bigger adjustments? So, you know, and that includes the coaching staff, you know, as well as the players. So you're right. This might be something that you know is on a deeper level than we're you know privy to at this time yeah it may be one of those things where sullivan has the play calling until he loses yeah but let's be blunt we didn't win this game on sunday because of the offense we won this game because of fantastic defense finally showed up yeah yes i I agree with that definitely i don't want any i don't want any false hope even from the coaching staff to think oh we made some adjustments although 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 there is a a big difference there i will say um, the offensive line played incredibly well this is a tough defensive line they played against, and they really, really, really ran the ball well. It wasn't just because they stayed committed to it. I mean, there were chunks of yards being taken. I have not seen a Giants offense run like that in in years. Yeah, I, I, I'm talking about you know just what dictated this game and what was the main thing. But you're right, the offense. You know, we were able to run the ball. That's the most important thing in your end and get some time of possession. Yeah. So. The bar um, is so low based on what our expectations were going into the season, how badly it performed in the beginning of the year. But, but I mean, if you just look at the stats, that's a good running game mm-hmm. for any team because it was like 148 yards total rushing. So, yeah, uh, that's that's those are good running numbers no matter what. Sure, sure. And against a really well, good think- defense. So, um, 
the injuries this week so far for the Giants, uh, Olivier Vernon was limited. He's still got the ankle, so is Landon Collins, even though he played last week. Richburg is still in the concussion protocol. He did not practice Wednesday. Um, Paul Perkins uh, was limited again with his ribs. Shepard limited ankle. Casillas did not practice with the neck. And there's one thing also, the very important thing you're bringing up this massive injury list that don't be fooled with a false sense of security because, well, last week, you know, we had this patchwork, you know, offensive line receivers that that's better than the guys that were hurt. You know, one thing, A, the guys that were hurt are better. We just had another great game on Sunday. And two, that means our depth is even more depleted. We have to play guys like, you know, off the practice squad or off the scrap heap. So right. you know, more injury. We still have 11 or 10 games left in this season. You know, more injuries. You know, we have another week where we lose one or two receivers or, you know, uh, let's say Pew gets hurt or something. We're really screwed. Yeah. Definitely, so, especially when you mention Pew. Don't go into that false narrative of the last thing you saw is, oh, they're better. Who cares when, you know, Paul Perkins comes back or who cares when uh, Western Richburger comes back? No, you need those guys back. Yeah. The, the the one thing you can say that's positive is, is that the current starters who are really the depth on this team are very good depth. Uh, I think, you know, Brett Jones in particular has really finally shown that he was worth – going after from the CFL. And and we've cultivated him for a couple of years. You know, we didn't just sign him in July. It's been what? This is his third year on the team? Yeah. That was a smart move in how we kind of developed him over those couple of years. Like, he didn't play at all his first year with the Giants, right? I do not believe so. Yeah. And then it, I think it limited last year, but then he got hurt, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like one of those things where we're pulling the best guy from the CFL, throwing him out there, and it's, it's a, you know, a dumpster fire. You know, we were able to actually kind of bring him along slowly and develop him to make the transition so and dj fluker is looking more and more like a, a good free agent acquisition yeah so when people can't when you're going to criticize reese and i think you brought this up on several shows before yeah you know he didn't address the offensive line well he tried to with some other guys and if fluker becomes a valuable part of this unit whether he's you know another jack of all trades guy who comes off the bench or he ends up starting on this offensive line that's addressing the offensive line. And, you know, don't overreact. We say this all the time, you know, overreaction Monday, the first thing you saw, you make these assumptions. If this offensive line shows improvement from, you know, getting to week 9, 10, 11, 12, that did from weeks 1 and 2, and Fluker's one of those reasons, well, you know, the, the Fire Reese crowd might have to take a, a slight pause because that's their biggest criticism right now is, they did not address the offensive line. The average fan reads probably the Post or the Daily News, reads the reads the column, you know, which has been perpetuating the same narrative over and over. They'll listen to Mike Francesa and they'll listen to these, you know, dumbass callers who parrot what they've also heard. So the narrative just kind of repeats upon itself. And then you get a guy like Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night, you know, in week one is just absolutely blasting a guy like Eric Flowers who played bad, but he wasn't the sieve that he made him out to be. And then, you know, John Gruden blasts the guy, you know, also it's like, guys, <laughs> you know, we, so the average fan parrots what they hear. So, and then that's where the stereotypes come and that's where the perception comes. The little moves are just as important as the big moves. I mean, if you remember 2011, one of the best tackles we had was Sean Locklear. Um, 
you know, and that was a that was a golden move by Jerry Reese. Um, and you know, over time, I think he had something like a dangerous blood clot that was the end of his career. But I mean, it was a guy that that nobody really thought of. And, you know, in 2011, again, Rocky Bernard played like such a big part in that defensive line rotation, and went sort of, you know, when he was signed, there was no big parade about it and Dion like, Grant to play safety was part of that big three safety package these these are these were like you know when I say these names I haven't said these names in forever and that's because they were not big fanfare guys but they played such an integral role and the only yeah. person responsible for that is Jerry Reese so the the fire Jerry Reese crowd really just looks at the big names and you know and those are really important and I'm not taking away from that but I'm I'm saying the upper management when they look at Jerry Reese and they decide not to fire him they look at his complete body of work and they take these things into consideration yeah and again the giants have not fired a gm since I can't even tell you when anyway you want to talk about uh Eli Apple being MIA today I you know I saw that he did not practice and that it was not injury related but I didn't read anything about it so why don't you elaborate yeah, the first thing I saw was he was missing in action. He wasn't at practice. And then later it came out that he was out for personal reasons. Hasn't been disclosed yet. I mean, we're taping this on a Friday, uh, Wednesday evening. So by the time this is released on Friday, there might be more to the story. But, uh, you know, it always seems to be something, <laughs> especially with the secondary. And yet, and yet the, today I had also read that DRC returned to practice and mm-hmm. um, greeted cornerbacks coach Tim Walton with a hug. Uh, and you know was his normal jubilant self. Uh, I had previously mentioned. I actually don't know if it made it to the to the podcast or not because our my my airport recording um, cut off somewhere Air. in the middle. And we, but, ap- we apologize for that, so yeah. everybody knows the, the PA system at Newark Airport at this point. But. Yeah, really. Um, but I had hinted that you know when it was reported that he got into an argument with a coach, did not necessarily mean the coach, and that it could very well be. Steve Spagnolo or cornerbacks coach, uh, you know Tim Walton could have been safeties coach David Merritt. We don't know what a coach mm-hmm. is, and that I thought that the reason that Jenkins got off the hook and DRC did not was simply because they met with Ben McAdoo, and I think that Jenkins' interview with him went a lot better than DRC's. DRC probably did not seem very apologetic, and for that reason, he was suspended for breaking team rules, and you know it didn't seem like he had any remorse for it or you know whatever didn't take anything yeah, away from I mean, the lesson I, this we're gonna be careful because all this is pure speculation so all this know is anything. pure speculation you know, even, yeah but i yeah. do think that hugging uh cornerbacks coach tim walton is a slight sign that it may have been him that he lashed out at could be could be you know i i just i mean drc's a he's a he's a vet he's been around the block he's you know he's a professional so you know, whatever may have happened, he knows, you know, the game. He knows he has to work with his coaches. He's not going anywhere. They're not cutting him. They need him. And, you know, he's not he's not quitting. He's not leaving money on the table. So, you know, it's, it was good to see that, you know, there's a little bit of a reconciliation, if that was even the problem. Yeah. Who knows? Well, who knows? So. But the, the, the good news in that is that he returned to practice and what seemed to be in high spirits from everything that was reported. Um, mm-hmm. Who did not show up to practice was Seattle's Cliff Averill, who is injured and went to IR today. Um, and that is huge, huge. Because the biggest problem when I predicted this game is 
I said even before the offensive line reared just its ugly head at the beginning of the season that didn't look any better, potentially worse than last year, was I don't know how this team is going to block Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Malik McDowell, and Frank Clark. Well, six weeks, seven weeks in, Cliff Averill is on IR, and Malik McDowell will not play this year either. So now we're down to pretty much just Frank Clark and Michael Bennett, which is far more manageable. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different ballgame. Uh, I, I, I'm going back and forth in this game. You know, obviously, when you make your predictions back in August, it's a lot different than when you get to there. And we'd mentioned that yep. during previous shows that, you know, we're making predictions with assuming all 53 guys are healthy. It's the same 53 they're playing all the way through. And now you start getting into this attrition game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Sunday. Um, I don't know where this team's head is right now. I, I, you know, an emotional win. It's a short week, or a shorter week, I guess. You know, that, that five hours or something. But there was a pretty much close to a cross country flight coming home. Um, it would not surprise me if we snuck out another win. It wouldn't surprise me if we get our asses kicked, or it wouldn't surprise me to have a lethargic, you know, sixteen thirteen loss. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know where to uh, read this game this weekend. Yeah, I, I I feel you on that one. I, like I said, the emotional win, it, it's such a big win after so many stupid losses that I feel like it may have just been the kickstart they need to really get clicking. But that's really only going to be certain groups of people, right? Like, I mean, the whole defense for the most part is pretty intact. Uh, you know, Jonathan Casillas is out. That and and Olivier Vernon is out. And Romeo Oguara went to IR. I mean, th- those are three admittedly big pieces, but... None of those guys played last week, and it it was, you know, not terrible on on defense. Um, and they were without DRC last week, who is now back. Uh, so that group may have finally clicked, and, and not just off the emotional win. The fact that they were a very big part of that win. Uh, two interceptions, fumble recovery. Janoris Jenkins. I said had a mixed bag in the last podcast. I don't know. I mean, he got lost in coverage two or three times, but I think I undervalued the fact that he had a pick six and forced a fumble. I had forgotten that it was him that forced the fumble. I just remembered that Eli Apple was the one who recovered it. So um, the game was over after the pick six. I mean, that was pretty much that was the, uh, the nail that was the play of the game. Yeah, that was the, that was a play of the game right there. So yeah, uh, you know, corners are gonna make, are gonna get burned sometimes. You know, it's. Uh, the way the league is set up, the way the rules are, you know, the, the talent on wide receivers you're facing, it, it's always going to be an uphill battle for for defensive backs. And yeah, they're going to lose battles sometimes. The question is, it can't be chronic, and you need to win some battles too. I think I think the difference between average cornerbacks and great cornerbacks are the great ones win battles, where the crappy ones don't really win so many, and they also lose. If that yeah. makes any sense? Yeah, I would say the the average ones. They, they kind of stalemate out. Yeah, they, they, they don't. Win they don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's going to lose some, but the question is how many good ones you're going to make. And I think guys like the, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop in this league, you know, make plays. And that was definitely a play that, you know, if this team turns around and ends up going seven and nine or something, that could be the play that turned the season around right there. Sure. I mean, we we look good, you know, offensively in the beginning of the game. You could tell the tie was changing, but that's the one play that I think really catapulted that to the win yeah 
And on the subject of uh, certain guys finally clicking, I think Eli and Evan Ingram are finally clicking. We had predicted he'd have his breakout game way sooner, but this was pretty much a breakout game for him. I mean, he's he's uh, our second leading receiver after Ola Beckham. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. Uh, <clears throat> he's had a great start to his rookie year, and you know, it may be that he's finally on the same page with Manning. Uh, you know, I think the running backs and maybe this group of offensive linemen with with uh, DJ Fluker in the mix and, um, you know. It takes time. Yeah. It, yeah, it takes time to develop that chemistry. And remember, he's not the number one option in, in, the, in the passing game. You know, the chemistry is going to be built. You know, the majority of the reps in the offseason is going to be Eli and Beckham getting together and working out. You know, you're talking about a rookie, a tight end. So, you know, that's going to take a little longer. I mean, he was never thought of as the first or second option in this offense as, you know, game plan back in June, July, and August. So it's going to take some time, and I think you're right. Now we're finally seeing that, you know, that chemistry is starting to build. And it's going to pay so many dividends down the road because, again, you can't look at this as every game, every quarter, every snap. This is a process that's a multi-year process. You know, Evan Ingram's development when he's a second-year player, you know, third a vet, is being you know, increased tenfold because of all the the force time he has to do right now. Yeah, and the, Evan Ingram is going to be part of my matchups to watch this week. Um, you know, Bobby Wagner might be one of the best linebackers in the league, uh, and if he's especially when it comes to coverage, so he might be one of the few linebackers that could, you know hang with Evan Ingram a little bit. But even if he can't, uh, you know, Cam Chancellor is really going to be a, a tough matchup problem for him also. So Evan Ingram versus Bobby Wagner and Cam Chancellor is a really big matchup to watch. Um, you know, he's got he's got what it takes to beat both of them, but he's he's got to, you know, keep rolling with the momentum that he had. This game, I think, is going to be one and lost in how we do on first down. You know, if we're in second nine, second eight most of the game, we have no shot. Yeah, this, this need, secondary we, is too we need, good. We, we need to run the ball. I mean, again, we have no no wide receivers this week. What's this, Is Sterling Shepard back this week? He was still limited in practice with the ankle. I My gut instinct on Wednesday night is that they're going to hold him out and hold Vernon out for another week. Just so based on the way, fact that the season's over. And then let them go into the bye week and then get ready. Right. So, so the plan would be, let's get those guys, you know, another – Two weeks, twelve days of of rest. You know, maybe some light work, and then get them ready for um, uh, the Rams game on November fifth. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it might I'm, be a different might be a different situation if we were in a real playoff battle, but not the hypothetical one we started the show with. But you know, there's no sense in bringing rushing them back right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I, the other the other offensive you know, matchup for me to watch is it's going to be interesting for me to see how they decide to reconfigure the offensive line this week. If they're going to put Bobby Hart back out there, you know, with Michael Bennett, or if they're going to deem Michael Bennett enough of a threat to keep Justin Pugh on the, in the tackle spot. And the thing that I think interesting about that is that every team has one good pass rusher. I mean, where do you draw the line with when you're bringing Justin Pugh back inside and bringing, you know, you know, either DJ Fluker out there or Bobby Hart or whatever you decide to do. Well, here's the way I look at it. If we look good with the same lineup that we did last week, this week, that might be the lineup the rest of the year. 
I mean, they're not going to sacrifice performance just to get Bobby Hart more practice and you know experience time. If you know, if we're if we do a good job running the ball on Sunday and you know, pass protection is decent, I wouldn't change it back to the way it was before. I, I'd go with what we're going with. Yeah, maybe. Why? Why? Why bother? I mean, that that would just kind of go back to the stubbornness, you know, factor of like, well, this is what we're going to do, and you know, when the eye test is telling you that the way the offensive line is now, which we didn't draw up in July, but you know, if well, they play like they played last week, it'll be the best two day, two week stretch of offensive line play we've had in quite a while. That's very true, and that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that the season is lost, and Bobby Hart is a second year player, third year player, mm-hmm. but also a seventh round pick and the youngest player on the on the offensive line. And if you're going to develop him, you know, garbage time is the way to develop him. It's the time to develop him. Um, you know, the other thing to consider is Justin Pugh's best position is still left guard. Um, do you want to take away his continued reps from there? What, what do you want to do? So I, I'm not advocating for one side or the other. I'm just saying there's two different ways to look at it. You named one, and that's this is the other way. Yeah, you know, I. So to me, you know, it's a low investment in Bobby Hart. You know, if it was Eric Flowers, that'd be one thing. Be where yeah. you've invested a first round pick, and you're thinking about a contract <laughs> year, and where does he really fit on this team? There are a million Bobby Hart's in this league. Sure, you know, probably he's getting the rookie minimum contract, a seventh round pick. He didn't invest a lot in him, so not missing on an opportunity to invest in a guy and to and to develop a guy like that is not the end of the world. And if you know, if this line, like I said, is working, sorry, Bobby, you know, you know, you're you're still going to be a backup on this team for sure, and you know, and you know, and if you if they cut you for some reason, you'll get a job somewhere else. Yeah, I would agree with that. But it's just yeah, going to be I mean, interesting again, we, to see with how they decide to configure the offensive line this week. You know, with, oh, yeah, with Frank absolutely. Clark and uh, Michael Bennett. Um, <laughs> the last thing I, we really got to watch is um, I found this very interesting. Um, the the Seahawks' second leading rusher. Do you know who it is? Russell Wilson? It is Russell Wilson. It's... I don't find that very hard to believe. No. Uh, they also just lost their seventh-round pick running back uh, to injury for the year. So I think a really big part of this is going to be the zone read, and that's going to come down to discipline with the defensive ends and the outside linebackers. Um, and so Olivier Vernon being out is going to be a big deal. You know, if it's if it's Avery Moss out there, it's going to be a big learning day for him if he can't keep his contain. We've um, had problems with running quarterbacks in the read option too, so this is not. Uh, you know, not JP, JPP, I'm not worried about. He's he does not get burned on the the outside runs very often. You know, it might be once every three weeks he gets burned pretty bad, but you know, for the most part, the most underrated part of his game is how well he plays the run. Right. Uh, but but containing Russell Wilson and making him have to run up the middle is going to be super important. In fact, it's one of my keys to the game. Contain Russell Wilson and keep steady pressure from the middle. Force force him to have to run into the arms of our defensive ends. Don't let him step up in the pocket. You know exactly on a design run play or actually in a pass play. You know if he's dropping back to pass, keep him in there. Yeah. Don't let him bounce outside. And, and believe me, Seattle Seahawks fans might might tell us that their offensive line is worse. Uh, you know, it's a pretty piece of shit offensive line. 
it's, it's not good. I mean, we're used to seeing bad, so you know, it might it might appear a little bit better, but it's it's not a very good offensive line, uh, and that's actually been a problem for Russell Wilson for the last couple of years. So it's sort of the same story there. And if this defensive line has finally woken up, with JPP had three sacks last week and Snacks had one also, uh, you know, this this might be the the right time to be facing this team. You know. And again, you know, it, it, it all the usual cliches of the the West Coast, Coast team coming east to play. You know, it's a that's a thing. You know, yeah. you know, not the numbers in front of me, but that is definitely a thing where it's definitely a competitive disadvantage for that. So, yeah. What do we uh, what do we think about predictions? Um, it's so tough to call, like we were saying before. I'm thinking it's going to be a really boring game to watch if you are not invested in either one of these teams. If you are, it's going to be one of those ones where you pull your hair out and you're stressed out because neither one is doing anything. Uh, well, is that stress level just the we're at week seven and we're just annoyed and like we're tired of watching well, this Well, I mean shit, it's just one it, of those things where, where yeah. both teams are, are in it. They're locked into it and it's because mm-hmm. neither one is really doing anything. It's a lot of field goals, you know. Field uh, position is going to be big. Yeah, it's one of those where you're just stressed out the whole time. My my best analogy is uh, in 2011 the um, the championship game with the 49ers where I quite literally was pulling hair out of my head. Um, <laughs> Try being there. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was uh, yeah that was in- that was a very intense situation. I mean again, you can only have so much of a stress level from a, a team that's one in five and yeah of course anywhere. Um, but we'll be there, so we'll be as invested in it as we could possibly. Oh, be. absolutely, and that's actually that's another thing that's very important. You know. It's, you can say all you want about team that's one and six, but when you're sitting there fourth quarter, can't change you get the, the ball back with seven <laughs> minutes left. No, not even that. You're like you're not thinking about tanking, you're not thinking about draft picks, you're not thinking about, you know, what are the Cowboys doing? It's you wanna win, you know, and there's eighty thousand people there and you know, you kind of forget for a minute what your situation is. So I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh I, I just think that as impressive as we looked last week, I think that was a little bit of fool's gold. I mean, it is what it is with the lack of weapons we have on offense. Uh, I, I, you're right. I see a pretty ugly game. I see us not really doing much of anything on offense. I, I, I see us losing something like 17-10, 17-9 maybe, something gross. Yeah, I, I was going to say – I, I could see any one of the scenarios that we outlined before where we get dominated, we continue rolling, it's a stalemate, you know, it's like a one-point game. But for the sake of actually picking a side and not being a senator, um, I'll say that we lose this game 16-13. to 13. Yeah. The one thing will be interesting to see, though, if McAdoo, again, is not calling plays, let's see how sharp he is in other aspects of coaching, you know. Let's see how, you know. Challenges. Sh- yeah. Time clock management, timeout management, uh, you know, go for it as opposed to punting, th- things like that. So you could kind of give him a little bit of a cover and say, well, he's call- he's play calling is too much on his plate. Well, we've taken a big responsibility off his plate now. So but let's, let's look and see if we're, we regroup on Monday and we're talking about, you know, left a timeout in your pocket and terrible clock management before the half or, you know, just these different things. Yeah, it's something to look at. Because we're, you know, McAdoo is still a young coach. It's still his second year as a head coach, but it's an evaluation process with him. Also, we want to see, like, you want to see a rookie quarterback if they can get it. We want to see if a rookie, the second year head coach, can get it. 
Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Just be sure to follow me for any updates throughout the weekend. Um, again, I am I am watching college football pretty avidly on Saturdays. I'm not going to get into anything I'm watching just yet. That's all saved for the offseason. But if you're interested in what I'm looking at for future, dra- future draft picks, uh, check me out on Saturday at football underscore grump. Um, and for this episode and upcoming episodes and information, always at Just Giants Pod. And thank the good God Christ that the Gators are have a bye week this week because I am going to go pumpkin picking on Saturday. I am utterly frustrated with college football in the state of my Florida Gators. So SF Matt and I will be out pumpkin picking on this Saturday and not worrying about it. So you will not get any updates from me. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, the rest of my SEC rivals all lose as well. But uh, if you want to just uh, – discuss anything you can always find me on twitter at the cranky fan you can find this show at just giants pod and we have our facebook page and as usual you can find the podcast on itunes and soundcloud and please subscribe give us the reviews and the ratings and all that fun stuff so we can uh, get really rich off this thing <laughs> all right let's let's push for another win this week let's keep it rolling let's go giants go giants <laughs>